a slam. Come on and jam, and welcome to the bam. Michael, Michael. Yep. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Space Jam Historians. <laughs> Today we are joined by uh, okay. uh, our, our... No, Adam. that's not our intro. <laughs> no, that's not our... Here, I'll introduce us. In. Can it not be, though? But that's definitely... Hi, everybody. That's going to be we, the intro. We've decided, we've decided in, in lieu of... <laughs> In lieu of talking about Revenge of the Sith today, we're actually just going to talk about Space Jam and the Scooby-Doo movie from the early 2000s. Then I'm in the wrong podcast then. Welcome everyone to the Star Wars Historian Show here on the Gazebo Effect Podcast. We are back with our third episode on our rewatch series, but we're joined by our special guest today, my twin brother Daniel. Hey everybody. No, just kidding. This is Luke. Daniel, say something. You know, if you guys think for one minute that I've enjoyed this whole rewatch <laughs> series... You're absolutely right. See, y'all thought that was going to go left, huh? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was going to be bad for anyway, a second, but... So did I. No, it wasn't. Actually, you I know. want to give a shout out to the Toolies for an awesome podcast that they did for the first two yeah. episodes. Except for Cody's weird Count Dooku take. I know you guys yeah. want to do a fair yes. amount for that. Take and down. I'm actually excited for you to hear that. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, we're there, we're there excited, too. Yes, so ready for it. But Daniel, today we've brought you on uh, because we, especially those who have listened to the podcast over the last two seasons, you've been an, uh, a frequent guest for us on this podcast. And everyone knows that you are like a fan of the Sith. Um, like you are like, literally a Sith. Yeah. You oh, are. I most people grew up wanting to be Jedi when they grew up. Not me. I wanted to be a Sith when I grew up. And mm-hmm. my fan fiction that I'm I've gotten back to writing is about a Mandalorian who becomes a Sith. So that wow. should tell you a little That's bit who I am, for sure. Yeah. Well with that, we're talking about Luke, you would probably say this is the best Star Wars movie in your opinion. It's, Revenge it's, of the Sith. It's certainly my favorite. I I don't know. You know what? I I was I was about to say I don't know if technically it is the best, but I feel pretty positive about it after this rewatch. Um, it just starts off with these. It just starts off with high octane action and just. I think it hits every note right, and uh, I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah, Daniel. What about you? How do you feel? I would agree. Um, in terms of where I have it in my list of Star Wars movies, it's definitely up there. It is definitely the best of the prequels. Um, I I have to agree with Luke. After re rewatching it, it's in my top five for sure. Yeah, uh, Daniel, I I don't know you you remember this uh, Revenge of the Sith? I think this was the first star wars movie we watched in theaters we skipped school we watched it with mom and dad and they they covered our eyes actually uh during the scene where anakin was being burned alive um which they deny they deny 100 (laughs) percent um to this day i don't know why they keep denying that but they're the ones who did it i don't i don't understand why they did that I, I no yeah this is a strange phenomenon and I guess we're just talking about families now but there are so many things where I remember better what my mom did than she does and it it really bugs me because <laughs> I know that I'm remembering this correctly but I can't relate it with her because she just doesn't think that it exists yeah but but the reason why I'm talking about that because even leading up to seeing it in theaters for the first time Dan, I don't know if you remember what we would be with, like our father was like a school teacher at this time and we would be in his classroom, you know, waiting for him to be done. We watched the trailers for 
for Revenge of the Sith. And we were so excited for what was going to come out. And it it, it 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 delivered, you know, it was very successful and we really enjoys it enjoyed it on the rewatch. Um man, it, it just it still hits all the right notes where it needs to. Uh it's definitely the best prequel. And on my ranking of the top eleven Star Wars films, I have it placed right now number three. Yeah. It's number three on my list. I think I think like it's okay if Revenge isn't your favorite Star Wars movie, um, but I think it certainly does need to be top three or top four. I think it can contend with any of the original trilogy movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, David, you got angry with me while we were re-watching it because I kept saying all the lines in the movie. And, <laughs> and if anybody knows yeah. how good I am at reciting... um dialogue from tv shows movies episode three revenge of the Th- uh, revenge of the sith is just different for me like i can recite the whole movie and go with all the emotions everything that goes with it and but yeah it's definitely top three worthy and i can see it moving up on people's list for years to come for sure as they keep yeah. re-watching it i mean between between the two brothers, it's it's um, pretty difficult, I would imagine, to watch. Well, I don't have to imagine. I've watched Star Wars with pretty sure with, with both of you. I'm pretty sure I've yeah, watched with, yeah. with Daniel before. Probably Revenge. Um, but between Daniel knowing all the words and then David knowing all the songs, you know, <laughs> it's just like as yeah. soon as a piece starts, he's like, oh, this is. So as we dive into d- this conversation, you know, what what are some things that really stood out to you in this film that you just really, really enjoyed? I think with, for the rewatch of this movie, as well as with um, Attack of the Clones, I, I really was paying attention to things that were kind of being set up earlier on in the movie that then kind of pay off by the end. And it was really interesting to just watch kind of Anakin's transformation and like... Well, one of the big things that hit me this time around was I, I had just finished listening to uh, the book Master and Apprentice that talks about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and takes place before any of the prequels. But in that book, uh, Qui-Gon has this vision and it is just like so real to him. And even though he doesn't know a lot that's going into it, he knows that it's real and like he has that same kind of experience that like he feels the emotion he feels the danger and he knows that it's going to happen and then whenever anakin has his bad dreams about what's going to happen to padme that kind of struck me as like okay so this is how force visions work like it's not just that he had a bad dream but it's he had a he had that bad dream and it it hit him like it hit him like a, a freight train like it was real um, and so, so kind of the coherence of kind of just the greater Star Wars universe and, and the movie within itself as it sets up things that then are later paid off really well. Um, just really like it a lot. Yeah. I think for me, um, the manipulation that we continue to see throughout the movie, um, from Palpatine and it was something that I really didn't noticed when i watched it the first couple times but with clone wars you know being finished and seeing all that happen and even during episode three when obi-wan was saying hey your friendship with palpatine has paid off and it's it gives the the audience the idea that it wasn't just when anakin returned was palpatine spinning those wheels and trying to manipulate him to the dark side this had been going on ever since he arrived to Coruscant when he in, in episode one. Like as soon as Anakin destroyed the Trade Federation ship and he returned to start his Jedi training, that's when it began. And it was just yeah. subtle things here and there to where Anakin was just numb to it. And well, I believe. And that is what every time I watch this film, that's what I'm always excited to see. 
more the manipulation, more of the evil yeah. stuff for sure. And and you know, I think the the manipulation is very present in in this movie more so than in the other ones because he's not doesn't do a whole lot in Phantom Menace, and then the big thing in Episode Two is that he becomes the Chancellor. Uh, or the Supreme Chancellor, rather. And so, but in this one, you really see how Palpatine's manipulation works, especially due to a, a failure on the part of the Jedi to train and teach their students about what who the Sith really are, what the Sith really do. Yeah, and I was going to say that was probably my favorite part of this film everyone who's listened to this podcast and knows how i feel about mace windu and my that idea has kind of changed as i've also been reading more books and stuff and seeing you know the jedi Wait, as you don't whole. like miss windu no i don't like not at all <laughs> not even not one bit no i'm just but, messing with you no i was just messing with you yeah but the thing about this film that is shown very well is not just the downfall of a single Jedi. It's not just the downfall of Anakin Skywalker, but it's the fall of the entire Jedi order as an organization that is dedicated to democracy and the Republic as a whole. To democracy. Everything that this film does is it shows Everything that maybe has been a criticism of the Jedi that we've seen, especially from me and Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, especially the Clone Wars, when you look at Ahsoka and her story and how the Jedi have, how the Jedi kind of, it seemed to push her out of the door to no longer be a Jedi. It all culminates in this film to where at no matter what decision the council makes, it is already too late for them to stop what has already come due to the manipulation of Palpatine. Um, and so being able to see that, man, it is tragic. But again, it's what makes this film so successful. It's not supposed to be a happy movie. No. And, and we don't get that. And that's not seen in this film. Yeah, I think the point that you made about it already being too late, we got that in Clone Wars, that explanation in Clone Wars. Whenever Ahsoka's talking with Mace and Ahsoka tells uh, Maul, hey, together we can we can stop this or we can save the Republic. And he's like, save what? The Republic is, is, already, is already finished. Like, there's nothing that we can do. And so I know I pretty much butchered that line, but, but you kind of get where I'm, what I'm trying to say. Um, the yes. fact that it was too late, uh, right? That it, it already has fallen. It you just you can't see it. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think the line is uh, waiting for what the republic to fall. It already has. You just can't see it. There it is. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's but you're you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. And and that's a, a good thing to point out because although this is kind of described as the period whenever the Jedi fall, which is true, they do fall. Um, it's also the fall of the Republic. Like in Rebels, we get the announcement that Obi-Wan makes to the Jedi that we see, that we know that he records in Revenge of the Sith, but we don't get to see the actual contents of the message until Rebels. But he says that it's both the fall of the Jedi and the Republic. And I think kind of, for me, one thing that I learned from this watch is that there is this kind of conflation of the Jedi Order with the Republic as uh, being like the Jedi are the Jedi are supposed to kind of always serve the Republic, and if they do anything against the Republic, then that's breaking the Jedi Code. Anakin says something. Anakin says that. Uh, the assignment that he's given to uh, spy on the Chancellor is something that breaks the Jedi Code. And it's like, well, in what way? <laughs> we, we know the Jedi Code. We know that it's all about peace and serenity and, and knowledge. And so in what way is it breaking the Jedi Code? Well, it's because at this time, they there wasn't any separation between the Jedi Order and the Republic. And this is something I'd really like to dig into in the future, maybe some more, or right now. It, it's up to y'all. But 
just kind of that idea of I think both the Republic and the Jedi were doomed when it, from the moment that they start kind of become inseparable. The beauty of this movie is seeing all these ideas that we've talked about for a long time. You know, we see it on full display, like the consequences of every action mm -hmm. of the Jedi Order. Um, even the fact of to where, uh, I don't know, I, I have to say it. Um, the Jedi seem to respond and they answer only to the Republic, not the Force. Mm. That is where the mistake lies right. for the Jedi. And I know this is not a... This is not an episode about, you know, the downfall of the Jedi Order. That's going to come later on. But I think it's important to talk about because what we see in this film is the greatest tragedy that the Jedi don't see because their responsibilities, their priorities are not in the right place. And we've seen from other Jedi, especially... Qui-Gon Jinn and those who have fallen away from the Jedi Order as a whole, they know that their, their duties have taken them far away from what really matters. Mm -hmm. um, but let, let's talk about something else that I think a lot of people say about this film. This is probably Hayden Christensen's best work in Star Wars. Yeah. Let's for talk now, about his transition. Until... Yeah, for now. Yeah, that's right. But let's talk about his transition from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith. You know, man, he did such a good job in this movie. He he really does. Like, we don't see... Well, no, we do see a, quite a bit of emotional range. Um, both kind of with... I think he, he pulls off kind of like the reaction to like waking up from his nightmare and being disturbed from it really well. But then also like the, the regretful tears that you see in his eyes whenever he's at Mustafar and after he's basically killed Mace Windu. Um, and then of course the anger everywhere else. It's, it's really, really good to watch. Yeah. I think for me, Jumping from episode two, I think in the beginning he was struggling with teenage issues, I believe, in episode two. Then once his mother died, he he came to the realization, I have to grow up. Like, I need to start taking charge of my own future, my own destiny. And that's when you start to see, when we see him in episode three, you see him more concerned about other things like starting a family, protecting the woman that he loves finishing this war and that was something that we really didn't see in episode two that i saw i saw him just struggling with the fact that he was impulsive and he wanted to do things his way and and uh obi-wan's holding me back it's not fair but now we get to he's struggling with real issues like his wife dying in childbirth and making sure he's the best jedi that he can be and that happens right after his mother's death and hayden christensen and George Lucas even said he hired him because he wanted someone who can have that kind of emotional range to see Anakin as because he was supposed to be a little bit whiny. That, that's mm -hmm. what he was supposed to be. But he also wanted him to have that capability to know that, man, he is going to get angry. And when he lets go and becomes angry, he can show it on screen. And that's what yeah. we saw from Hayden Christensen that we didn't see in episode two. But George Lucas knew that that would come out. And he did, yeah. and he, I think he did a really great job. That's a great point, Daniel. That I've never thought about. Like, you can't blame. Like, there's nothing blameworthy in I think Hayden Christensen's acting in Episode Two after, um, after his mom dies. Uh, I think I think, kind of most of the problematic stuff happens beforehand, and then kind of afterwards, the writing for him is kind of better and more spot on. And, and by this time, it's like as Anakin has become more confident, uh, so has Hayden Christensen slash his writers. Yeah, even in the featurette, um, Hayden Christensen, he said, you know, when we were doing the earlier movies, like I was I was wondering why I was being asked to hold back. 
But then he says, now we get to that this third film. Now I understand why I was asked to hold back was because we want to make sure that transition to the dark side was carefully and beautifully done. So, yeah, that's a really good point. And I talked about this in the Faces of Dumbledore episode because I was talking about, you know, actors and directors, you know, working together to establish a really good character. Um, but the fact that Hayden Christensen and George Lucas worked together in this film to really hone in Anakin's behavior, the differences, especially once he turns to the dark side, you know, that pivotal scene with Anakin and Padme when he returns to her and she's like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. He says, and he says, I will not betray the Republic. My loyalties lie with the Chancellor and with the Senate and with you. Like they walked through that scene together. Like this is the emotion you need to have. It's the direct, and that's the still, again, we're talking about the best things about this movie was the fact that George Lucas, this his, this is his finale, right? you know? This is his final work in terms of film that all the cards are on the table. Here is what I envision Anakin to be. Hayden, go do it. And boy, did he do it. And, and it's one of those things where, like you said, it's it's, it's uh, George's kind of finale. And so it's kind of a shame, though, because it's like you have these characters that are so perfected by uh, Ian McDiarmid and Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. And then it's just like we don't get to see them very much again. Now, obviously, Ian came back for uh, Rise of Skywalker and then Ewan and Hayden Christensen are both coming back. But that's after a long break for both of them. I think they're still going to do great. I just wish that like after Uh we had gotten that kind of that perfection that there would have been more stuff that we could have seen from that point. And even then, like even the fact that George Lucas is not creating these stories anymore that i think that's the saddest part mm. i mean i love some of the things that john favreau are doing dave filoni is doing um deborah chow what she's doing you know we got a bunch of great people coming in and working um but it's still it's still not the same of ha- as having george lucas you know in charge kind of directing and leading the vision of this galaxy that he created David, no one's ever really gone. Um, <laughs> I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but also it's Dave Filoni is is almost is like as good as we can get to yeah. George Lucas. Yeah, and, absolutely. and that's a very close kind of approximation. Yeah, I mean, so as we're talking about, you know, Hayden Christensen, we have to also talk about Ewan McGregor and Obi Wan Kenobi. This is probably the only criticism I may have for him not for him because he did a great job but my opinion and i i said on you know the last episode that we did that other people have said this which i have heard but i'm also among the camp of for the first half of the movie it really felt like kenobi was just handed a certain deck that he had to use for a while until it came to his scene with yoda at the temple with padme at her home and then ultimately with anakin and the battle of mustafar but i felt like for the first half or maybe two-thirds of the movie like it, it felt like he was just given something to do just to keep him busy hmm. and i know it was he was fighting grievous and and all these different kinds of things but i don't know i just i don't know what else i would have wanted to see differently from him but to me, that felt a little flat when I was rewatching this. Mm. I don't know. What did you guys think? I don't know. The, the first thing that pops into my head is that I think it's... There might be an aspect of that where Obi-Wan isn't really being used for a whole lot in, in the first part of the movie after Count Dooku's death. But... At the same time, that's also kind of where the war was at the time. Like, they were in this kind of lame duck uh, kind of situation where 
the main leader of the enemy has died. And so we're really just kind of finishing them off right now. And so there's a level of that where it's going to be kind of almost routine or not exceedingly dramatic. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think it's, it's suited for the situation that it is in because they are looking towards the future. Like even mm -hmm. whenever they're hunting for Grievous, the Jedi Council are more concerned about what Palpatine is doing. And the story right. is more yeah. about the relationship between Palpatine and Anakin being drawn out even more. Yeah. What I, Daniel, you can respond to this part because yeah, that kind of makes sense for me, but like you were saying, like Count Dooku's death. Well, what if we go before that? Um, the fact that he was, I, and I know why they did this to show Anakin's power and his growth, but Obi-Wan was just kind of cast aside. And I did not really enjoy that at all. Cause I'm like, we talk about how great of a Jedi. I mean, he's the greatest of all time, like bar none. And, and Clone Wars and, will prove that because in Clone Wars, yes. he, he, the fights that he's a part of, he lasts much longer. Right? Yeah. And even, and I'll say one thing, you know, even in Rebels that I saw later on as we're kind of wrapping up. Um, but he's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. His resume speaks for himself. So how did Dooku just easily discard him in that fight scene? Like, that's just something, again, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I understand, like, it makes sense, but I don't like it, mm -hmm. is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with Luke. Um, he 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 kind of laid out my point, which was the fact that reason why we don't really get a lot of Obi Wan in in this film, especially you know after that fight, is because the focus of the story is really about Anakin. And I mean, George Lucas will say one through six, it's it's about Anakin, but three especially seeing his turn. And Luke's right. The The council is more concerned about what's going on with Palpatine. That's the focus of the story. That's the focus of the film. So I get why Obi-Wan wasn't a focus. David, I'm in 100% agreeance with you. I do not like the fact that, you know, Count Dooku clapped Obi-Wan like he was nothing. Um, it's just, I mean, yeah, maybe we're being prisoners of Clone Wars, but not really. Even that mall fight. You know, and he he would even though he wasn't the best offensive duelist, he was the best defensive duelist. And the fact that he couldn't do anything, Count Duke, I it, it also rubs me the wrong way. There's a video in YouTube somewhere, and I don't remember what it's actually called, but it it I think the idea is that Dooku was purposefully trying to get rid of Obi-Wan as soon as possible. Um, because I think, mm. I think because I, the title of this video had something to, along, said something along the lines of why Dooku feared Obi-Wan and why he kind of almost like cheats in, in combat against him because mm -hmm. every time it's been Dooku using the force against Obi-Wan, I don't think, yeah yeah it's been his primary mode of attack against obi so i'm gonna change my statement okay i think i realize what my problem is and then we can move on um here's my problem so then my problem is with those who uses the battle with dooku to discount why obi-wan is the greatest of all time like you mean dad they will they will say yeah <laughs> yeah i guess so but also there's several other people who who have said that as well but they'll use the fact that it's like well dooku quickly like clapped him like he he easily defeated him so he's really not the greatest jedi of of all time and so i i think there's also an aspect of it where like at the end of the day you're looking at the script for revenge of the sith and you have this really long lightsaber fight at the end and a, a lightsaber a lightsaber fight at the beginning and do you really just want them to both just be like 10 to 20 minutes long or are you going to kind of 
fudge on the fights on one of the fights in order to kind of get through everything else in the story. And so because I'm, I'm highly of the perspective that this is kind of, this is a retelling of the story rather than the story of itself. The movies are retelling the stories and, and focusing on the important parts because you don't see them eat or sleep or anything like that. Um, it's possible that the fight could have been longer and that um, the reason why it appears so short and why Obi-Wan seems to go out like a light in the beginning is because it's, it's abbreviating it. Mm. Well, speaking of the amount of time spent on a lightsaber fight, I think you guys both know where I'm going with this. This has been a comment I've heard about the Kenobi versus Vader duel on Musafar. So I'm just going to ask very simply, was it too long? Nah. If it's 10 minutes, it's not worth my money. Seriously. Like, this battle had been... We all knew it was coming. If we didn't get the fight that we did get, that we got, I don't know if anyone is going to like it, really. I mean, it it was great storytelling, I believe, um, filled with emotion. Maybe I wouldn't have had the Darth Sidious and Yoda fight. That's yeah. just me. I wouldn't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Anakin-Obi-Wan fight, I think it served its purpose. For the Obi-Wan and Vader fight, there's nobody who's saying, I think, that I, I've never heard anybody say that the, the, that fight is anticlimactic. And so that's important. You you have this key point, whereas even like you mentioned before, a kind of turning point for Obi-Wan's kind of involvement in the story even. And so you have these two main characters, these, these brothers, these friends, these master and a former apprentice. Uh, you, you want it to be long. You want it to be meaningful and you want it to end well uh, in a way that makes sense for everything that we've learned about these two characters. Uh, I would agree that while I didn't dislike the fight between Yoda and the Emperor, it seemed like taking us away from the Anakin and Obi-Wan fight was was like taking us away to something that wasn't equal in measure or wasn't as good. And so it, it got kind of like a little bit tiresome to watch something as awesome and as as great as the obi-wan and anakin fight and then go to uh yoda and the emperor but yeah no i absolutely agree and and the best way that we can describe it and compare it to is it's as if you're you know a ufc wwe you know card you know it's as if you're saying that the top superstar the top champion facing the person who's a rising star in the company they have a great story everything is you know this is the fight of the night and you put it on the same level as a squash match between a huge superstar and just a local guy just to put the top guy over um it's like you're putting them on the same level it's like yes we're getting vader and kenobi this is what we've been waiting for Oh, and then here's the addition of Sidious and Yoda just to kind of, you know. Let's watch the old man fight. I wonder if there were, actually, uh, never mind. I, I don't think that there were, there was anybody out there who really wanted to see Yoda fight. Because everybody is in an uproar over the way that he fights in episode two. So, of course, they're not going yeah. to want him to fight anymore. I don't have a problem with the way Yoda fights. That just makes sense to me how he does it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in the, the Palpatine and Yoda fight because they're both kind of the top tier people for both of their kind of force philosophies. And there's also a lot of great lines, especially at the beginning between Yoda and Palpatine. Uh, but yeah, really, it's just at the end of the day, it doesn't compare to the Obi-Wan and Vader fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just one of those and... things that's kind of like it's necessary for us to know why this is the case because Yoda is not just like sitting on his hands at this time. He's also doing something, you know, and also that the battle between Sidious and Yoda that helps with Yoda's response to Kenobi when he sends 
him to fight Anakin, he says, send me to kill the Emperor. I will not kill Anakin. Um, and he says, well, the Emperor is too strong for you. You need to go fight Vader while I deal with Sidious. Like, that's how that kind of works. And it kind of helps play into that. Um, <laughs> which which I know we're kind of a little bit going all over the place. But, you know, the conversation is going to go where the conversation goes. Right. And... So let's talk about, you know, we we just finished talking about very quickly, like Sidious and Yoda and that kind of fight scene. And it was okay. You know, would we agree? It's, it, it was okay. Um, but the scene that really interested me, not just because he, he died, guys, he's dead. He's dead. Um, but the fight between Windu and Palpatine, that was really good. I actually really enjoyed that. Now, am I upset that Sidious killed my boy uh, Kit Fisto um, really quickly along with... Uh, Who cares about size 10 <laughs> Nobody cares about size 10 Nah. Um, yeah, I was going to... You caught was me. The other guy, <laughs> was the other guy supposed to be Ethcoth? Or was he just some rando? Yeah, well... I don't know. I don't know. I don't it think... I don't know. Rando. I don't even remember what he looks like, to be honest. I think but, he, hey, at I, least Kit yeah. Fisto like blocked something before getting killed. Like he blocked yeah. exactly like yeah. one lightsaber swing before getting sliced. Yeah, and I guess this was supposed to show the dominance of Palpatine, but it to me it just totally like undercut what the who the Jedi like is this is this supposed to be the Council's best? Mm. Or even, like, the standard that we set for sitting on the council. Well, I mean, kind of the best that was available. I mean, Obi-Wan and Yoda yes. were both uh-huh. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And was yeah. Kit on the council? I think he was. Plo Koon was also gone. Was he in the Clone Wars? Plo Koon was also gone, yeah. And Ayla but was also gone. So a lot of their big fighters were out in the field. The majority of the council was away. I don't think there Johnny was many. Mundi was on Magito. Right. So I don't think anyone yes. was really yeah. left of great they were really, skill. It was really just base in the B in the B team. Yeah, honest. I guess so. Uh, but anyway, like the scene with Windu and Palpatine. I'm. I may not be the biggest. Okay, I'm not a fan of Mace Windu at all. But um, th- this scene was probably the closest I got to loving him just because you you see of why he is i guess the number two jedi on the council in the entire order because not only does he hold his own but he he puts up a fight with palpatine now we can talk about you know the debate that some people have of okay was palpatine letting that happen um just just to toy with him until Anakin got there or was was it genuine I we can have that debate maybe another time but he took him to the limit and you know using the dark side that Palpatine was giving out and turning it back on him that's an incredible skill that we saw on full display in the scene yeah no I, I agree um we haven't before this one we know that Mace is active in the fight and things like that and we see him fight in attack of the clones but really we don't get a whole lot from him and so it's it's nice to see that he's not just kind of a talker on the council but that he's actually good at his kind of his craft of lightsaber fighting yeah i'm uh i was just waiting for the manipulation scene after I mean, I did. I I enjoy the fight, mm-hmm. but you got you you know me. I live for um, Palpatine stringing everyone along, and you know, unlimited power. Like I was ready for that, and so that's that's what my focus of that scene was. I think the greatest oversight in this movie is that instead of so after May says, "You have lost," the fact that. The Palpatine does not say no, no, you have lost, but says no, no, you will die. Is just, it's just, it's, 
<laughs> it just seems like yeah. it just. I don't know. Every everybody thinks is it's another one of those Luke, I am your father things where people who actually care about Revenge of the Sith think that he says, uh, "No, you have lost," because that makes sense. That that that's a it's a reply that makes sense. And I mean, the reply that he does say does make sense too. It's just not necessarily what you would expect. Yeah, and maybe we could chalk it up to that's another thing that Palpatine was putting in Anakin's mind is just like when he says, I have lost, he's saying that I'm going to kill you. Mm. Okay. So well, it's another, an it's a, it's another thing for Palpatine to look at Anakin and he says, don't let him kill me. That's an interesting, that's yeah. a good point actually. Yeah. That's a very I, good I've point. I've never thought about it. I've never More manipulation. It like Love it. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so we're there's so many things we can talk about, but most of the, most of the things that we could talk about are probably going to be episodes all by themselves. You know, yep. Downfall of the Jedi. That that's a podcast episode all in itself. Honestly, probably, um, but we just have a future series about all of the different eras. Yeah, um, especially sure. as they've been described recently. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, what I want to get your comments on is. Order 66, you know, seeing that in this way, we knew that the Jedi were going to be hunted down and destroyed. You know, what Obi-Wan said in episode four in A New Hope, we saw that in this movie. Probably one of the, the saddest points in this entire film, I would say. I think watching Clone Wars and and I think that's I feel like that's where everyone's going to go, you know, because obviously it's sad when you when we see it in 2005. But when you watch it again in 2020, having watched the Clone Wars and actually mm-hmm. good point. Yeah. See the relationships or see how these Jedi actually were like Kaid Mundi, like in 2005, I had no idea who he was. What kind of master was he? Same thing with um, Plo Koon. Plo Koon especially. Yes. We don't know anything about him uh, when we get to episode three. But after in 2020, when you watch the Clone Wars and you get to see how Plo Koon was with Ahsoka, what kind of Jedi he was, how much he believed in Anakin, those types of things, when you see it again, that's when it becomes emotional. And Right. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it. Now, Order 66, watching it in 2020, 2021, that's what, I, that's what I go back to. The fact that we now have backgrounds for these characters, and then we see them die. So we actually personally have, like, we have knowledge of them. We know who they are. And knowing what their deaths are going to mean for the galaxy. And so that that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, especially... Because we see some of the Order 66 get carried out in, in this last season of Clone Wars. Um, so we have both we have both the, the attachment to uh, the different Jedi who are being uh, portrayed on, on the camera who are getting gunned down. But also um, kind of then remember, it's like, oh yeah, all these other Jedi that we've also encountered also are being faced with Order 66 at the exact same time. Um, one of the big things that I drew from watching Order 66 this time is how kind of dramatically, like how ironic it is that Cody hands Obi-Wan his lightsaber right before, like just a few minutes before trying to gun him down. Um, and, and it kind of led me to the this conclusion that it, in my, to quote Obi-Wan, in my experience, there's no such thing as coincidences. And so it seems as though the Force is, is protecting Obi-Wan from Order 66. Because there, the chances that like Obi-Wan would uh, recover his lightsaber whenever just a few moments afterwards, he, uh, every clone would be hostile against him. 
are, are very slim. And so the fact that he was able to recover it and then get some distance away from clones before they attempted to kill him, I think it, it proves that the force, the living force, wanted to keep Obi-Wan alive for its kind of purposes that we see in the original trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. And and Daniel, I, <laughs> that's probably the best thing that's been said in this rewatch kind of series is the fact that we we are rewatching them in 2021. And we're seeing this as a result of the Clone Wars animated series. You put those stories in here and involves it. It just ups the ante to even when I look at someone like Ayla Sakura, you know, she was shot in the back, didn't even pull out her lightsaber in 2005, I probably would have been right there with my dad and saying, worst Jedi ever. But you see her stories in the Clone Wars. Um, even if she wasn't in there like a lot, just that, that arc with Ahsoka and with Anakin when he was injured and she taking Ahsoka under her wing and guiding her through, especially like the first missions that Ahsoka ever had, it just saddens you. The death of Ayla Sakura you know, it to me, it fixes it now that we have the Clone Wars. Um, and that's probably one of the best things of rewatching these movies in 2021 is being able to now you're connected to these minor characters, if you will. Mm -hmm. And their death now carries even more meaning. But then, on the other hand, screw Luminara and Dooley. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I think, and we... <laughs> I think she's on. Uh, yes. She's on Kashyyyk whenever Order 66 goes down. And so you know yeah. what? Um, what? Again, that that we could probably talk about her <laughs> in in the downfall of the Jedi episode. But you know, as we wrap up our time here, um, just a kind of final questions over, you know, this this film. Who who was your favorite character? That's a difficult question. Uh, well, I can I can. Yeah, go you. ahead. It's gonna take uh, me a little bit. <laughs> so. My favorite character from this movie, then, I think, is has got to be Bail Organa. Because this is the movie where we get to see a lot of him in this one. And he's just, uh, you know, he has some really quotable moments. It's like uh, whenever he strolls up to the temple after Order 66 has begun. And uh, they say, I'm sorry, sir. It's time for you to leave. And he's like, and so it is. And so it is. And, and I use that a lot just for anything, basically. <laughs> well, and even... Just so we can mention the twins, because we totally didn't talk about Luke and Leia being born in this moment. Um, seeing where they're going to go and the fact that Bail Organa, he's going to, he, he's putting his family, his wife himself yeah. in danger by taking Leia with him. And for the simple reason of, it's not like, well, I know this is a powerful child. This could be a powerful child. Um I'm going to take it to, you know, maybe she has force abilities like her father and she'll be a great asset for me. It's just like, we've always wanted a baby girl. Yeah. She will be loved with us. Like, honestly, Bill man, is just great. I, yeah. I love him. And I, and he's we'll daddy talk about him. We'll talk about him here a little bit more um, <laughs> in the next episode that we do, I imagine. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or yeah, we'll sure. be the next. I guess it'll be two one, two, two episodes from now. Mm hmm. But, Daniel, what about you? Who's your favorite character? Honestly, and man, I I'm guess I, it's because I'm rewatching a lot of things. And so Clone Wars is very fresh on my mind. I got to go with Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan had a hard life as a Jedi. You know, yes. he lost his master in episode one. He struggles to try to give counsel to Anakin throughout the Clone Wars and throughout training Anakin. He loses Satine, you know, and then he loses Anakin and he loses everyone in the Jedi Order. That's a lot of losses for one man to take. And, you know, Yoda kind of has to guide him through the pain that he's feeling because when... Obi-Wan sees the hologram of Anakin killing other Jedi in the temple. Obi-Wan is basically saying, I can't do this. He said, send me to fight the Emperor. I, I'm not going to kill Anakin. But Yoda 
guides him through that and says, you have to keep going. Strong enough to to face the emperor, you are not. And even, of course, Yoda wouldn't give Obi-Wan where Anakin was, but he basically said, you know how to find him. Use your feelings and find him, you will. And and, and Obi-Wan using that, using his emotion, using his feelings to kind of guide him through that dark place that he was going through and able to get the job done. And yeah, it's got to be Obi-Wan for me, just based on what we've seen throughout the prequels and the Clone Wars, put it all together and basically why in a lot of minds of people, he's a good joke. Like he... Like, like that gives you the reason why. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm probably also going to say Obi-Wan because of my favorite scene that is not in this movie, but it's my favorite scene in Rebels is with all the losses that he's taken with everything that has gone on and happened. And I told this to Luke earlier today. With everything that he's gone through, he leaves a message of hope for the surviving Jedi that are there. He leaves a message of hope saying that one day the Jedi, yeah. well, he doesn't say the Jedi will come back, but he says one day we will, we will see the light again. A new hope will emerge. Message. Um, it's so inspiring. And it really just helps build everything together. And he's the only God, Jedi that could have delivered up. that. Yes, it does. And he's the only Jedi who could have delivered that and have that kind of impact. So that's why he's he's my favorite my favorite character. But favorite scene, very quickly. Very favorite scene. For me, it's gotta be the Obi-Wan and Padme scene before Obi-Wan sneaks yeah. aboard her ship. Wow. Yeah. Because you can see Obi-Wan knowing the truth. He knows the truth. And getting confirmation about Anakin and Padme and basically affirming what he already knew. Yeah. But just the way Ewan McGregor, the emotion he speaks with, and then when he finally leaves, he says, Anakin's the father, isn't he? And then, and then again, the score help really sells it. Because as we get this really dark fanfare, Obi-Wan says, I'm so sorry. And turns away and leaves. To me, that's just a great scene. I could go on about, a, about you know, a thousand other scenes. But that one is the one that sticks out when you ask that question. So that's what I'm going with. There, there are a lot of them in the scene. And so I'm trying to avoid some of the more kind of common answers. So obviously I love the fights uh, that are in this movie and I love the end of this movie. Um, I think there's a, there's a, there's a few different really powerful moments and some of them are real short, but one of them that really sticks out to me is after actually no i'm i'm gonna go for one of the more common ones i guess uh <laughs> the last words that uh obi-wan has where he sees the good in anakin um those are really powerful and and really what it is is it's kind of like a pronouncement it's uh, obi-wan kind of pronouncing the same sort of blessing that he received from qui-gon um before uh, Qui-Gon would go on to pass away. Um, you'd become a much greater Jedi than I ever would be. Uh, and so that that's a, that's a really good scene. Uh, beforehand, I was going to say that the kind of conversation between Mace Yoda and Obi-Wan about the prophecy and whether or not Anakin is the, the fulfillment of it. Yeah. Yeah, David, real quick. Um, I just thought of another one uh, real quick. Um, the scene where Obi-Wan and Anakin are walking in the temple after the council gave Anakin his assignment. That that bit of back and forth and that dialogue between Anakin and Obi-Wan was perfection. 
just the execution and just the emotion and the and the high tension that it creates because it's a really stressful time for the both of them. And the fact that we get to see that conversation and you can feel that we're things are ramping up. Like you know, oh, the story is about to take off. And for me, that's another great scene. Just with Obi-Wan did not wanting to put Anakin in the situation that he was just put in. And Obi-Wan trying to empathize and sympathize with Anakin. And he said, he even said, Anakin, I'm on your side. I didn't want to put you in this, in this situation. That, that is what makes Obi-Wan different from the council. Because he's not only thinking about the greater good, but he's also thinking about, okay, can Anakin actually handle this? Like he wanted to help Anakin kind of go through that process and get him ready for what he was asked to do. Yeah. And even with that scene, he does obi-wan does things that the council doesn't that's what sets him apart from the council because you you think about that scene before where again it's palpatine pulling the strings of just like you should be a jedi master like they would be lucky to have you on the council um using that against anakin you know the council i will agree with them on their decision that anakin was not ready to become a master Mm -hmm. um but the fact that they didn't even offer anything with that. And then they they put him in this situation, okay? So it's like they don't uh, accept him to become a master. Um, and then they don't address it. They don't even talk with him about it, of, of why. And, you know, we, we can go into, again, Downfall of the Jedi. We can go into that um, in that episode. But they go from that to Obi-Wan's the one that gives him this mission. And so that puts more and more tension between Anakin and the council and the person in the middle of that who has to try and, you know, keep both sides at bay is Obi-Wan. So it is a really, really great scene. I guess for me, what my favorite scene is, I don't know if this is a common one, uh, and it might just be, my emotions when last watching this Mm. but the scene where it's the last scene of the movie um when bail organa takes leia to alderaan kenobi takes luke to tatooine you see the twin suns and binary sunset is playing in the background like and in the title of that score is in that piece if i'm wrong i'm sorry that i'm butchering this but i think it's like the birth of hope hmm. uh, i believe it's called yeah well it's just called yeah. i think a new hope yeah yeah so with that with that final scene it's just one of those things man this was a really really cool movie but and it was difficult it was stressful but there's still hope to be found leading into the next three films, which is the original trilogy. Uh, so I, I think it was perfect in doing that. Okay. Very last question. We talked about this a lot. Um, favorite piece of the score, favorite track of the score. For me, I think one of the main ones is got to be uh, the birth of the twins in Padme's destiny just because mm-hmm. there's something special about whenever John Williams uses a choral piece in, in any of these movies, I think it, it's really powerful, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the way that it sounds in this context. For me, it's got to be the immolation scene. Just the, mm-hmm. its mixture with Obi-Wan's dialogue, it gets me every single time. Because you can hear the emotional, the pain that Obi-Wan has during this scene. And the fact that this score kind of goes with with the heartbreak that Obi-Wan is experiencing. How everything that he was meant to be wasn't coming to fruition. Even though we do know that it was. Obi-Wan doesn't know it at that time. And he's lost everything and now he feels as that he is losing Anakin. Someone that he loved like a brother. 
someone who yeah he right. he had a good relationships with Yoda and Mace, but Anakin his relation with Anakin was different um and so that scene coupled with you know the score is is my favorite piece in Star Wars and and that one bass note right David <sighs> yeah minute 1 uh second 34 a minute 34 is where it turn the bass all the way where up it drops guys Yep. Yeah, literally. Turn it all the way up. Um, my favorite piece in this, and I and I think that this this score, episode three, a lot of people have it as the best score of all time of Star Wars, and I think that's that's right where it needs to be. It's so good. Every single piece. There is not a better intro than this movie from. You know, the main theme and straight into that battle scene. Um, That opening scene is the greatest opener of all time. I mean, you have some that are iconic. But this one was so great to just drop you in in the middle of the movie. And so, and it's my favorite, it's my favorite track on this score, period. Bar none. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so good. That is going to do it for us here on the Star Wars Historian Show with Revenge of the Sith here on the Rewatch series. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Man, it, it was a it was a real blast to talk to you today about one of the best, if not the best, prequel movie in uh, the Skywalker saga. Yeah, um, I'm excited to have been part of it. I love it when you guys do this Rewatch series. Um, I'm going to be excited when we have another conversation about uh, Light of the Jedi. Um, yeah. The High Republic era. I'm currently reading that right now and i am loving it so i can't wait to talk with you guys about that glad to hear glad to hear that and looking forward to that conversation as well yep yeah for sure well guys thank you so much for listening to this episode luke like always it's always a great great thing to partner with you on these episodes and i don't like that at all (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad we don't have like a video now I get why you don't want to do this. (laughs) 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 Just well, we gotta the next like uh, Star Wars convention. We've gotta have our booth set up, you know, for all of our adoring fans, and we'll have a we'll have a live podcast then. Uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, for Luke Fournay, I'm David Gonzalez here with the Star Wars Historian Show on the Gazebo Effects Podcast. Until next time, may the Force be with you.